0: my first job that i like i had a w-2 for (laughs) was as a waiter i waited tables any other waiters in the house you ever have a job as a waiter or waitress yeah and so that was my very first job at the illustrious establishment called parker's barbecue uh in wilson north carolina they are the original parkers don't let the people from greenville fool you because there's one there same family first one was in wilson we were the best uh and uh i mean i loved it i learned a lot waiting tables only 15 years old i remember my dad dropped me off every day i came home smelling like grease and cigarettes and uh and I, this, is, this is like uh, the mid-90s. You could actually buy cigarettes from like a vending machine in the lobby. like So it was like, th- this, is, this is different times. And I worked so hard. I remember the hustle. I remember feeling very tired at the end of every single shift. And if you've ever waited tables, it's just nonstop. And you're taking orders and you're busing tables and you're cleaning up spilled drinks and you're spilling stuff and you're having to clean it up. You have to communicate to the kitchen staff. You're having to, you know, take payment. All the stuff is going and going and going. And the worst part about it is people, I could stop there are mean people are terribly mean to waiters and waitresses i don't know what's wrong with y'all but we are mean to waiters and waitresses how could you be so mean when there's so much fried chicken and barbecue in the world in this building there's fried chicken and barbecue but you're so angry and someone's always upset but i remember there was this one lady she had eaten a whole combination combination platter if you don't know the combination platter that's a southern classic okay you get the you get the, the chicken and you get the barbecue and two sides Hush puppies and a drink. Okay, that's the combination platter. It's a full plate. She'd eaten the whole thing and she called me over, young man. There was a hair in my food and I want it for free. Now, understandably, that's gross. You don't want hair in your food. I understand the one, but I looked. I was like, it was all gone. I'm like, okay. And and then she commenced to tell me that she saw it as soon as she started eating it and she felt sick the whole time she was eating the whole plate. I was like. All right, now here's the thing. I, I said, well, I don't know. I can, I can talk to my manager. Uh, I'm 15, and so really, this is not my problem. And so <laughs> I go to tell the manager, this lady wants it for free. He's like, okay. So he goes, and he's a master of it. He goes over there, and he's just like, uh, yeah, man, what seems to be the problem? There was a ch- hair in my food. Now, I've got I've to clarify for you. She had eaten a whole combination platter. That's chicken and barbecue and two sides and hush puppies and a drink. And she said she saw the hair when she first got started, but she ate the whole thing. So he's like, ah, you know, ma'am, I just didn't seem quite right. And I was kind of like, why are you being such a jerk? Like, just give her food for free. But he's like, no, I'm going to give her, I'll give you a discount. How about we give you, we'll give you 20% off? That sound good? She's like, no, she wasn't having it. I want it for free. Okay, we'll throw in a free dessert. We've got this amazing banana pudding. It's worth it. No, I want my food for plea, for free. And she wouldn't relent. And then I found out why. He said, ma'am, the reason I'm not going to give you your food for free is because you did this last time you were here. Yeah. Boom. He hit it with it. And I was like, oh, snap. And she was like, I, 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 fine. And she went, she paid full price. And you know what? I never had to take that lady's order again. I don't think she came back. Waiting tables is hard. And why are people so difficult? The reality is that things like that have to be done. There have to be servant roles in the world, don't there? Someone has to wait table. Someone has to be the people that picks up our trash. And some people have to work. This building is big and there's a crew that comes in and cleans it. And all these things, like it has to be done. And it's difficult, but it's necessary. I want to talk about that today. The role of a servant. And so we're in this teaching series called... uh, Salt and Light, and it's just a teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, but today we're actually taking a quick break. We have a scheduled break in our series because today is a special day. Um, The last big chunk of our Bible story in the New Testament is the story of the church getting started. And so you got the apostles that establish the church, and then they start local bodies. And how do they organize themselves, and how do things go like that? And so uh, the, the story of the Bible is the message of Jesus coming to earth and like providing salvation for our sins and the things in the song that we just sang, the things that we're thankful for. But in the meantime, there was all these people that were coming on board with the church. It was growing pretty fast. And so it was also a lot of serving. There was a lot of menial tasks that needed to be done. There were people that needed to eat. There were people that needed help with their bills. There were people that needed help with clothing. There were people that needed help with their kids. And here's the thing. Jesus understood that, and he actually taught about that a lot. When Jesus was doing his ministry, anytime he came to meet these spiritual needs that we all have, he very often, if not always, maybe, led by dealing with physical things. You got sick people. Let's help them be well. You've got hungry people. Let's help them be fed. You've got people who don't have proper clothing. Let's help them have the clothing that they need. And we don't even have all the stories of the stuff that Jesus did. I can't imagine all the many, many times he helped meet physical needs. And that's the thing he taught his apostles to do. To go out and help people. And help uh, heal them and, and fill them with food and take care of their basic needs. It's a very spiritual endeavor, Christianity. It's about uniting our eternal soul with the creator of the universe. But man... This earth, this physical flesh and blood stuff, it's pretty real too, isn't it? And like when I'm hungry, like it's hard for me not to be hangry, right? And when I don't have somewhere where it's warm, I really want a hoodie. And these things go on and on. And Jesus said, listen, we got to meet the physical needs too. And so as the church progressed, some things happened. Jesus came and he taught the initial message. And then he appoints some apostles. And these, these apostles become missionaries and evangelists. They go from town to town and they start these new bodies of believers. They tell everybody about Jesus. But then they quickly began to see, this is like the church is growing like wildfire at this time. They, they grow, when we're jumping in, we're going to be in Acts chapter 6 today. The church is probably at like 20,000 people. It's a lot of people just in the Jerusalem and surrounding area. It's a lot of people. So all these apostles go from place to place, and as they're starting new churches, they also appoint elders to help take care of the spiritual needs and and to teach and to lead in those ways. But quickly it becomes evident that this is a logistical nightmare. (laughs) There's so much to do. And so we see them appoint a group of people that we end up calling deacons, servants in the church, who can really step up and lead in some of these physical needs. We as a church, Venture Church, uh, we started in September, will be 10 years since we launched in September of 2013. Isn't that awesome? So, 10 years. And so, we were here for a little while, and a group of us came, and we established a church very apostolically. I don't consider myself an apostle, but the word apostle means one sent with a message. And so, let's say I was. I was sent with a message. And we had a team, and we established a church, and a couple of years in, we did what the Bible shows we appointed local elders. Is so our eldership steps up, and we have four amazing elders, and you might have been in the movie theater when we were meeting there when we ordained those elders. And then for the last couple of years, it was about five years ago, uh, that we appointed these elders, and the elders have been stepping They're learning their role, right, guys? So they like, well, what do we do? Like, how do you eld? And so they're, they're doing a good job. But for a couple of years now, they've been saying, okay, we want to appoint some deacons. We want to establish a group that can help further understand and work out the logistics part of people's physical needs. And also in other leadership things. And so today, we're ordaining our first group of deacons. Isn't that pretty awesome? It's going to happen in just a minute. Yeah. Um, It's pretty awesome. And I'm going to introduce you to them in a minute. And the elders are going to come up. We're going to pray over them. But before we get into that, I actually want to take a minute to teach about what the heck is a deacon. Where do we find it in scripture? How does it align with what we as a church in 2023 even do? And, and when you see what our deacons do, you might have grown up in a different church tradition and be like, wait, our deacons kind of did different things. And you'll find out like that's actually very common. The deacon meets a need that the church needs. And every local body can do it however they want to. Uh, So to get there, what I want to do is spend some time in our Bibles. And like I said, Acts chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, grab it, flip over to Acts chapter 6. If you need a Bible, we've got Bibles available back here by the door on a shelf. Feel free to go grab one anytime. If you want to keep it, you can. If you want to use it for the service, uh, you can do that as well. And uh, by the time we get to Acts chapter 6, the church is about five years old at this point. They've grown to about 20,000 people by all the estimates that we can do. A lot of this first century stuff only counts the the men that came to Christ. And so you add like women and children to that and it drastically multiplies the number that you see. There's great growth and people are responding to the message of Jesus. But with that many people come a lot of people problems. And so the the original apostles are going to figure out how to deal with that. And I love how they do it. We're going to pick up our story in Acts chapter 6 starting at verse 1. It's going to be on the screen behind me as well. It says, in those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, when you hear disciples, don't think about the original 12, because at this point, those guys are now called apostles. So now, basically, any Christian is called a disciple. By the way, if you're a Christian today, you're a disciple. That's what a disciple means a follower, a learner, someone who's following Jesus. Okay. So in those days, when the number of disciples, Christians, was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food translation okay uh, there's a language barrier here hellenistic is basically greek speaking jews hebraic jews are going to be the ones who speak aramaic and so like any culture like when people settle in cities you kind of cluster by language groups it's most convenient and most uh, efficient and so there's this thing happening though where the christians now who are were jews and now they're christians and they speak greek many of them are from kind of other places and they've transplanted to jerusalem so they don't actually deal with the Aramaic-speaking Jews, and their widows are being overlooked for the daily distribution of food. Now, that's not something we talk about today in the modern church. we got a lot of government services and a lot of other support systems, but in the first century, especially among Jews, taking care of widows was like one of the number one things they were focused on. Read all through the Old Testament. They're all talking about it. Take care of your widows. So it's surprising that this Jewish community is actually skipping out on some of their widows. It's actually kind of mind-blowing. it was largely, I don't know that it was racism as much as it was just like bad logistics. There was a language barrier. The people in charge were overlooking these other ladies. And so what are we going to do about it? So back to our text. Verse 2. So the twelve. Now the twelve, this is the apostles. That's the original twelve now. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, Hmm, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables one of the most awkward leadership sentences in the Bible. (laughs) I look through it, I'm like, that's just the funniest way to start this out. But what they're saying is like, look to the rest of the Christians, we got some really important work to do here. And this thing that you guys need, the widows that need to be taken care of, it's very important. I'm not saying it's not important. In fact, we're five years into the church. Presumably, these guys have already been administering this kind, of, this kind of stuff. Acts chapter 4 talks about everything brought their stuff to the table, and they shared everything, and everyone had something that they needed. They all had their needs taken care of. So for five years, these guys have been trying to juggle everything. But they said, you know what? It, just, it isn't right for us to neglect this very high spiritual calling that we have to what they call wait on tables. Now, this is just a generic phrase that just means to do this menial task. To wait on tables. They're not above helping the widows, but they just want to organize something different. Um, now, there's this story in the Old Testament. And the similar thing happens to Moses. So if you know the story of Moses, and they, they leave Egypt from slavery, and then they, they get to this position, and Moses is administering, administrating like everything. And he's just worn out thin. So his father-in-law comes to him, Moses, in the Old Testament, and says, look, Moses, you need to delegate this. You need to appoint some leaders and have them deal with some of this other stuff. And I wonder if the apostles got some influence from that it seems like that um so it's no surprise what we read in the next verse so now verse three this is the apostles talking again brothers and sisters choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit the holy spirit of god and of wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word and this proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose these seven people. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, per, Parmenus, I normally practice names and I did not. Parmenus and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. Now, there they are. The first seven deacons uh note they are not called deacons in this passage deacon is just a word the word means a servant in fact a lot of people have translated this word one who waits on tables to kind of call back to what the apostles were saying just a servant but this servant role is a leadership role that eventually gains a title you see the apostle paul talking about it later for example in the book of first timothy where he just call it, there should be deacons at the church and this is the type of people that they should be now here's a couple of things um i want you to understand their only job as deacons was not just to take care of the widows. That wasn't their only job. That was the current need. So that was the need they addressed first. But I want you to know, they weren't just like menial servants all the time. In fact, they were major leaders in the church. Stephen is in the very next chapter, uh, this extremely important leader who becomes the first Christian martyr in in history and so he's obviously a teacher and he's a leader and he's a figure that the authorities recognize and so we also see some of the other deacons these first seven go off and serve in other ways and throughout church history there's been plenty of times where uh, deacons will uh, on another day serve as elders there are many times when elders will come back and serve as deacons the roles are fairly interchangeable but it's not so much about what uh, what they do at any given time it's about what their focus is and their purpose in that moment so in this moment, there was a need with these widows. And these people dealt with it. Now, for us, we are going to walk into a new scenario that we've never been in before. We're going to be down at Darlington Avenue. We're going to be in a whole new community. We're going to have whole new needs that we don't even know about yet. And this is one reason why the timing is right. Is, is just, it's great in God's timing. To say, let's just come in and just do this. Because we're going to need to have better logistics to deal with new people as we meet them. And new needs as they come across. Um, so... Verse 7 wraps up the story. It tells us everything that we need to know. Verse 7. This is beautiful. So, the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's just a snippet, just a snapshot. That what happens is that when we, when we not only like get everybody on the bus... But put everybody in the right seat on the bus. We not only get everybody on the team, but we put everybody in the position that they play the best. The efficiency of what we get to do in God's kingdom increases. And so our church, as we've grown up, we've had some amazing leaders. And they have waited on some tables. Oh my goodness. If you've been here long, you know who some of them are. It's, you are some of them. Leaders step up. It's just what leaders do it's inside of them and you guys have done that uh, and you've done it with no title we have not had any deacons up to this point many times we don't even know that you've done what you've done because that's what leaders do but as we become more established we also see so many other needs that we simply aren't able to meet because the logistics aren't in place And we want to do that. We want to help people. We want to be able, when we shine light in dark places to follow Jesus' model, we're going to very often need to be in the trenches and doing the physical things as well as the spiritual things. It doesn't mean that our elders are going to stop doing the serving stuff. they are some of our best deacons right now, our elders. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't mean that our deacons are never going to lead spiritually. Already some of them are leading small groups and teaching and doing stuff like that. But it's about the focus. It's about what they're going to set their hearts to. And being a servant is literally the job of anyone who calls himself a disciple of Jesus. I want you to think about the role of deacon, and I want you to think about what Jesus did. Jesus said, to be the greatest in my kingdom, first you've got to be the servant of all. He was also the one who washed his own apostles' feet before he went to hang on a cross. And in doing that, humbled himself to the lowest level, even to death. And in raising from the dead, we learn that, man, true leadership happens from the back. It happens from the ground up. It happens from scrubbing some feet, cleaning some toilets, hanging out with babies, working with hard-to-work-with people. That's service, and that's leadership. It's about being us not just a servant in leadership, but a lead servant, someone who's going to set the pace, um, so when it comes to specific instructions about deacons, we actually don't have a lot of clarification on what they are because like every Christian should really be acting this way. But in first Timothy chapter three, verse eight, we do get this. And this is like kind of the one place where you get like this clear outline that If you're going to have deacons, they should at least be doing this. First Timothy three, eight, the apostle Paul said in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of their faith with clear conscience, They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. And it goes on to talk about they should also be faithful to just one spouse, (laughs) and they should be able to take care of their household. And if you look at the instructions of what it means to be an elder versus a deacon, the list is almost identical. And if you look at both lists together, you look at any Christian and say, wait, is there any of this that any of us should skip out on? No, we should all aspire to that level, but our elders and our deacons are going to try to set the pace and they're going to live up to it. Now, are they perfect? No, they'd be the first to tell you. In talking to each of these deacon candidates, they were all a little bit apprehensive. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm the right one for the job. And each of our elders said, great, that's perfect. If you were too anxious about, or too ambitious for this and felt yourself too high and lofty, then you're probably not the person for the job. But um, throughout the church, uh, local churches... Throughout history, local churches have organized themselves in various ways, and deacons have done whatever it takes to meet the needs of the church as it comes up. And so, our elders have spent months praying over a list of people. And this is funny, uh, actually, a couple years. And the list was long. Uh, you guys are pretty stinking qualified. Like, we have a really long list. Like, so I suppose everyone in our church is gonna be a deacon. We probably don't we'll start there. So they narrowed it down, and then they had some conversations with a smaller group of people, and they said, "Hey, you wanna take about six months to six weeks just to pray about it, look at Scripture, talk to your spouse, and." After that, a few of the people on the list honestly said, you know what, this isn't the season for me. And I want to say, that's awesome. The awesomeness that they have of being able to know their own limits and say, I can't do this. And all of them have the opportunity to do it later one day. But the group that said, okay, we're going to do this now, then there was a period on Easter Sunday, you might have been here, where we announced the group of deacons, and we had their name up on the screen, and we asked you to be praying for them. Um, And the list that we made was long, and this is an interesting thing, that when we looked at Scripture as a group of elders, we said, uh, not only do we see these seven men ordained at the beginning, but we also see a bunch of ladies in Scripture. And we said, well, what would prohibit us from having ladies as deacons? Because when we made our list, we were like, actually, um, our ladies are more qualified than our men in some ways to do some of these things. They're such good leaders. And so uh, if you came from a different background, a different tradition where there's no ladies in any kind of leadership like this, this would be kind of our first big step into something like that where we're saying, look, Scripture clearly allows this let's go for it. Why would we prohibit some of our greatest leaders in our church from doing something that scripture clearly allows? And so you'll see actually our group is majority ladies today. Um, And so after narrowing it down, after praying about it, here we are today. And some of y'all have your families here, and you're all pretty, and you look great. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to invite our candidates up to the stage right now. So if you guys come up, I'll say their names, so just have something to do. Just give them a round of applause. we got Quinn Barefoot and Susan Best, Joe Cartwright, Melissa King, and Brent Myers. Give it up to these guys. Walk, walk, walk. Your leaders. All right. Uh, what I'm going to do is just introduce you to these, these uh, this crew, these guys, and... Um, You'll notice only four of them are up here. I'll explain why Joe's not here. It's actually pretty cool, Uh, but Let me introduce you. This is Quinn down here on the end. Quinn has been with Venture since 2017. She's helped lead our women's retreats, build our women's ministry. She serves regularly on our host team, and she loves her small group. Uh, She's passionate about women's ministry and hospitality. She loves gathering together with a group of ladies to encourage people in their faith. Her favorite thing about Venture is the young adult small group that she's part of in the community. And she says this. She said, we learn a lot by studying God's word together weekly. I also love that we're invited to each other's birthday parties, weddings, baby showers, and special life celebration in her free time, she loves to bake and do arts and crafts and run and walk their dog. And her husband, Caleb, who you saw up here playing bass earlier, uh, is in our band. He also has done an amazing work at our new building, running a bunch of sound light and wiring stuff over there. This is Quinn. Welcome, Quinn. Next up is Susan. This is Susan Best. Susan and her family have been with Ventures since 2019. Uh, she says this, Helping people find community and a place to grow is a passion of mine. The right community helps people feel connected and gives them a safe place to grow. Creating environments where others can deepen their relationship with others and with Jesus will allow them to contribute to the kingdom of God on another level. Susan loves small groups. Uh, she loves something called Adventure Mondays, which is a group of our homeschool families that get together and, and do things together on Mondays. Uh, she loves inviting people to read through the Bible annually. A lot of you guys are on her annual reading plan right now. Her favorite thing to do with the church family is the family camping trip at Camp Kirkwood, which we'll hope, hopefully do again this October. And her husband, her husband Travis, serves uh, as one of our safety volunteers for our kids' ministry. Her daughters, Emery and Maris, also serve regularly on Sundays with Venture Kids. And so this is Susan. Uh, I'm gonna put Joe's beautiful face up here on the screen Joe's not here today Uh, we're gonna say Joe's out on assignment Uh, Joe most of you know him well he plays bass in our band a lot he's a gifted leader he's also a preacher and so he's filled in for me a number of times He's actually preaching here a few weeks from now Uh, but really last minute there's another church that we're kind of in brotherhood with who really needed someone to step in and preach this weekend and so he called me and one of our elders and was like "Uh, I mean I know we got the thing but they really need somebody we're like go This is what your heart is for, and so we're going to make him stand all by himself on this stage later, and we'll pray for him, Uh, but he's with his family doing that right now. Uh, Joe joined Venture in 2020. Uh, He has spent time in youth ministry, like vocationally, in North Carolina and Colorado, uh, with his wife Christy and their three kids. He's passionate about cultivating community and relationships and he also fills in preaching here from time to time his favorite thing to do with venture is taco tuesday and serve together sundays joe also serves as our small groups coordinator and plays in our band and in his free time you'll find him watching sports and spending time with his family and trying to decide what name the washington football team should be called he says whenever there's an opportunity to serve my family's in so thank you joe even though he's not here cheer him on This is Melissa, Melissa King. Melissa's been with Venture for nine years. Her husband, Jeremy, and their two sons, uh she loves to reach out to as many people as possible to teach them about the love and mercy of our god she regularly serves as a leader and a teacher for venture kids she's even headed up our fourth and fifth grade vacation bible school her favorite thing about venture is the many activities we do in the community and she says my favorite memories have been the camping trips and retreats and the effort that has been taken to make sure we all really know each other from physical needs to spiritual needs they will all be met at venture church I love the grace that we show and the very words that we use of shining light in dark places because we all have dark places. I have been a Christian my whole life, but I'm learning that I've only scratched the surface of what I know and what I can do when I dig deep in the word of God. I'm very excited for my future walk with God alongside my church family. Melissa loves camping and working with her hands and also uh, always has a project to work on. And her husband, Jeremy, has been very involved in our production team. He was instrumental in getting our online service happening. So thank you, Jeremy, for that um, during the pandemic. And her two sons are involved with the youth group. So give it up for Melissa. And then finally, Brent. This is Brent Myers. Brent and his wife Emily moved to Wilmington uh, to join me and my family as we started the church. So they got here just a couple of months after we did in 2013. Uh, Since then, both of them have been instrumental leaders in our church family in many ways, and I don't even have to say that to most of you. Brent said this, "'I believe God has gifted me with a passion to love and serve kids.'" to show them what it looks like to be like Jesus. I'm also passionate about the role of prayer in our spiritual lives. I want to encourage more of it in our church and provide more opportunities for others to join in prayer. Brent was our children's director for the first five years of our church. Uh, He's also been a small group leader. He's a graphic designer who does a ton of stuff for our church. Uh, He's a kid's teacher, he's in our band. Uh, Most recently, he is the recent and reigning cornhole champion with his partner, Richard Godwin. So, yep, they won't let you forget it till next year. His favorite part of Venture Church is the authenticity and genuineness among our people, week in and week out, as people truly care about one another. He's a skilled designer and an artist and loves basketball and being outdoors. His son, Jacob, serves with the production team running sound right now. His daughter, Peyton, loves serving alongside her mom on the host team. And his youngest daughter, Lily, loves serving herself the free mints that Venture's host team offers on Sunday. Those are his words. He wrote those. They have been a foster family since 2015, and they would love to thank your, our church family for always being by their side with the many children they welcome into their house. So let's give it up for Brent. Now, I have invited our elders to step up to the stage. Uh, it is under their watchful eye and prayer and, uh, and, and really biblical authority to kind of take some time to make this happen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. That was a really nice lesson on... Uh... Deacons and servants. Um, I'm just really excited about today. We have been praying over this for quite some time. And um, I think you can see, as Chris just mentioned, as he reviewed each candidate, how qualified they are. And it's just a really special day for us. And we're really excited about where they're going to lead us as a community of believers here at Venture
1: Church. And so. Um, I'm just going to turn it over to George, who's going to say a prayer for us. Thanks, Brandon. Um, this is a, a great new day. Uh, we, we go into tomorrow with five deacons. And uh, I just want to pray uh, at this time. If anybody else would like to come up here and just lay hands on these folks, I would be fine too. But uh, let's go in prayer. Dear God, humbly we come to you today with the wonder of your creation. Humbly we thank you for the opportunity that we have to speak to you in a relationship, a spiritual relationship with you. A spiritual relationship that comes with the power to change hearts the power of heart change that enables us to be in our other relationships with people in the church and people in every corner of the world, your world. Lord, we are so much bigger. You are so much bigger than our problems. And again, we step today into a new day. So we pray for protection, uh, we pray for the revelation of gifts, uh, in spiritual gifts in, uh, the, the growth of our church. And when I speak of the church, I speak of the church, uh, that's your church, the church of the, of your, your kingdom. And, uh, we we know that that comes with responsibilities and, and we just pray that, uh, this, this change that we have will just represent, uh, more growth spiritually in our deacons and each and every one of us, uh, that has an association with venture church and, uh, and also, more importantly in your kingdom. So we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this event and we thank you for uh, the, the future of our church that uh, uh, we will continue to uh, do those things that you've called us to do and to seek you, to chase you, to shine light uh, and also to uh, just to love each other, in our new neighborhood and in our our realm and our that we have uh that you've given us so we ask these things in jesus name amen
0: all right let's give it up for this group of deacons <clears throat> so cool so cool uh as we've watched our church grow from a little fledgling group that at one time was just meeting Uh, in people's living rooms Um, and is now you know I I love walking being around town and meeting people who have actually met someone who's part of our church family and said hey man I met someone who said they were from Venture Church and it was just a delight to meet them and hear about their life Uh, look we're just one among many bodies of Christ here in Wilmington and we love serving alongside the other believers in town and having this this kind of new uh this new Engine strapped to our organization, as it were, to help us meet the needs of the people, especially in the new community we 're moving to, but also you guys who are here so uh, get to get to know your, your deacons, go talk to them, introduce yourself, uh, and if you want to help them look they 're not going to do everything; their goal is to organize, and so they want help with the various things, and so all of them have been praying through some various ways they 're going to serve uh, they 're going to have different focuses at least, like at least one or two main focuses. Things like how are we dealing with our benevolence, how are we dealing with elderly people that might be part of our church, how are we dealing with people who need to be visited, who are sick, or who are we dealing with people whose houses need repair, or whatever, like there's a lot of things, and there's already been uh, some meetings happening behind the scenes. They, they got together several weeks ago for their first meeting uh, to just kind of get things going, and so, but what does that mean for you? Like, you're not a deacon today, are you? Like, you didn't get up here and get, you know I mean? You're like, I don't want to stand on stage in front of everybody with a light in my face, like, What does that mean for you? So what what I want to do is is emphasize this point. I said it early, but let me say it again. One of the crucial parts of any organization, timeout. I hate when we use like corporate language to talk about the church. But language is also very good for communicating ideas. So you follow what I'm saying here. We are an organization where family, where the body with the hands and feet of Jesus, and we are people on a mission. So as an organization, one of the crucial parts of any organization is not just get everybody on your team would have the right people at the right positions. If you're a really strong catcher, you're probably not going to be suited to play shortstop in baseball. But not only do we need people on the field, we also need someone managing the lineup. We need someone that's organizing the bus trip to get to the next stadium. Someone running concessions. Someone, you know, selling hot dogs, popcorn. Like we need all of that stuff to make the whole thing flow and be optimally effective. And so the question is not just who are our elders, who are our staff, who are our deacons, we have a finance team. we got all these people who have jobs the question is what is your role on the team where do you serve to optimize the kingdom of god from our our perspective our context i want to share with you a verse of scripture from romans chapter 12 starting at verse 4 for each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function okay i got a head arms legs feet fingernails all different but they all do different things so in Christ we though many we form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according with the grace given to us If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, then do it diligently. If it is showing mercy, do it cheerfully. And there are other passages in Scripture that give all kinds of other ways that you can serve. Hospitality is a great way that you can serve the kingdom of God. And there are things today that didn't exist in the first century. Maybe you're really good with technology. Maybe you can just help somebody work through the nuances of health care. Like whatever it is that you do you can do it for the kingdom of God as part of this one body but make make no mistake we have one head and he is Jesus Christ and from his mind and from his heart everything else comes out and we get to serve as his hands and his feet Jesus has given us the primary mission To go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always until the end of the age. That's in the end of the book of Matthew. It's the Great Commission. That's the primary mission. But there's all these secondary needs that come up. Things that happen throughout the kingdom of God that just need to happen. So that the primary mission can be met. It was hard for me to land on a challenge for us today because I really wanted today to be all about like this big step we're taking as a church family. But I also think that it's cheating a little bit if you go home and you're like, well, there's nothing for me today. There's always something for you. The question for you today is what part in the body will you play? We just have these amazing new leaders, five of them that stepped up and, and in the coming months, they're gonna be trying to say, listen, we wanna start doing this, we wanna start heading up that. Maybe for you, it's just to go to one of them that you're already friends with and say, look, I'm here, I am your lieutenant. Like if you need something, you call me. Maybe it's something that's on your heart that you already have going on. And you just want to bring it to the forefront of one of them and say, listen, there's this need that I have a big passion for. It doesn't have to be just them. Come to me. You can do it without us. Just go serve the kingdom of God. But I have this passion for it, and I want to take it on. We have these different organizations that we serve with. Uh, Soaring as Eagles works with families in Title I schools. We work with Vigilant Hope, who works with people in poverty and homelessness. Uh, we've served so many different organizations. And maybe in the city, you're just like a foster pantry that just helps people in foster care like and the families there like maybe for you it's like i just need to be more and a more active agent of change in the kingdom of god it is so easy for us to just sit there and receive 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 and you become a consumer christian and that is probably the number one reasons why churches grow and shrink because people are just hopping around trying to find a place where they're the most happy I like the preaching, I like the music, I like the childcare, I like the temperature in the auditorium, the color of the carpet, I like the water pressure on the water fountains. Like, I get it just right, and then it's perfect. But guess what? You are a leech, you're a mooch. You are not serving your purpose in the kingdom of God. You're like an extra finger that no one can use. That is not what God called any of us to. He called us to get into the lives of people and show them Jesus. Now I get it, we're not in that same place you might be just starting your journey today. It's like your first day and you're like, okay, deacons, and now this guy's telling me I'm a leech. What? No, I'm not talking to you, you just got here. I want you to ask yourself, who is God in my life? Do I believe in Jesus? Do I like the fruit of this community? Like are these people living up what they say they're living up? Yeah, test it. Be, you, you are here and we love it. But if you've already given your life to Jesus, I wanna tell you, God has purpose for you. And it's not just to show up on Sundays. To make a difference everywhere you go. We call it taking pockets of heaven with us. That's what it means to build his kingdom. Take pockets of heaven with you everywhere you go and be part of the body. Where will you serve? How will you wait tables? Let's pray.